you're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick, Portfolio Manager with WLWP Wealth Planners, IA Private Wealth, and Colin White, Portfolio Manager with the Varican Capital Management, Inc. Welcome, everybody, to the next edition of Bare Naked Money. Josh and Colin here having a conversation, taking some feedback from the audience, and, and we're, we're, we're going to tear into a, what would you call this, Josh? Would you call this a nice question to have? Would, would, would that be a, a polite way of describing it? From the perspective of the individual with the money, yeah, I guess so. That's what you're yeah. you're aiming at, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so we had a, a longtime fan of the podcast who's who's fed us some ideas uh, as to questions and stuff. And every once in a while, he says something kind of resonates, and I go, "Yeah, that's something that that's a question we get from time to time that really befuddles people." So the question is, what happens? I just got a hundred thousand dollars. What should I do? That's the question. So this can come from a gift from a family member. This can come from well, some kind of windfall from a, some form of a payment, an inheritance, a pre-inheritance. But more often than one might imagine, it's, hey, I just got an extra 50000 I got an extra $100,000. What should I do? So Josh, bring, ring, bring, ring. The phone just rang. I'm your client. Josh, I, I just got $100,000. What should I do? So I'm just going to set the stage here by saying this question is not to be confused with five ideas where to invest $100,000 right now, because <laughs> that's something I hear about all the time. And when you brought this question up to me, that was what I was thinking about. And when I say I hear about that all the time, this is in the news all the time or on TikTok or Instagram or wherever it is that you're getting your, your social media feed from. Could be Reddit, could be something like that. So not to be confused, two completely different conversations. So, so bring, 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 bring. So I pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. And you're right. This is not the first three things you need to do. This is an actual, I know, this is a, a portrayal of, of, of what this conversation could be. I just got $100,000, Josh. What should I do? Right. So my first, my first uh, instinct is to start asking questions. What is the money for? Biggest question, right off the bat. You mean like what, where did it come from? Or are you asking the anti-money laundering question where we have to know the source of funds? Is that where you're going first to make sure that it's not drug money? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's assume we've got all of our compliance requirements taken care of. Oh, okay. You know, I actually the the where did it come from is actually a good question. So that that's not where my head went at first. It was more so to ask the client or the individual that's coming into the money, what do you want to use the money for? What what is it intended for? What do you want to do with it? Do you want to buy a house? Do you want to buy a jet ski? Do you want to save it for the next 50 years? Do you want to pass it on to your kids? Somewhere in between, a little bit of all this stuff. What is it for? What 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 do you want the money for? Because that informs a lot of what we can or should be doing with it. Wow. So you're telling me that the first thing you're going to do when somebody asks you what to do with $100,000 is you're going to ask them what they want to do with it. Is it Crazy a rude idea. To answer, answer, isn't it rude to answer a question with a question? Like, <laughs> is, is, isn't that a bad thing? Yes, it depends what profession you're in. <laughs> I suppose. No, it's, it's all about priorities now. Uh, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's kind of what you're getting at. So the, 
I think the goal is to kind of revisit previous planning. You know, for me, it's about going back to it's like, okay, well, what were your prior, what were your spending priorities before you got this hundred thousand dollars? You know, what, before this was a thing, what was the number one priority for you? What's the number two priority? Where, what, what's important to you at this point in time? And kind of start going through that checklist to see, you know, if having money sometimes, you know, changes those priorities, you know, you, your reality is a certain way and all of a sudden you're in a new reality. Now, again, we've picked a hundred thousand as a bit of a, a round number, you know, it could be 10,000, it could be 500,000. Uh, but it also depends on how material that is to your situation. Like if you've got, you know, $5 million invested and somebody gives you $10,000, that's probably not a phone call to us or a phone call to your advisor. But when you get into the $100,000 range, then that could be, you know, that could change your, your, your priorities, you know, for sure. So for me, the first thing is to understand is like, is this enough money that it changes priorities? You know, cause there's, if you're, if all of your goals total up to $20,000 and you just got a hundred thousand, you're going to need more goals. You know, you, you're going to need something else beyond that. So this is going to change. Uh, or, or at least add on to or fast track your plans a little bit. Uh, how material is this to your world? Yeah, well, the, the last thing you said there, fast track, I think that is, it's a pretty big deal because it might not change your priorities. It, it probably doesn't change your priorities, really. It really shouldn't in my in my view, but it might change the time horizon for actually realizing those priorities. And that's that's super important, maybe even more so than changing the priorities. Yeah, well, what comes to mind in one conversation I had with a client was, well, I was going to get a new car in a couple of years' time, so maybe I'll just do it now. And it's like, well, is there something wrong with your existing car? No, you were perfectly happy with it. Yeah, so is it really worthwhile fast? Would it be that exciting to you to fast-track that goal? Is, is that really put you in a, a hugely better spot, or should you just let that one unfold? You know, so it's, yeah, having the conversation about marginal utility would be the way the economists would refer to it. Like, what kind of marginal utility would you get from that compared to, you know, other things? Yeah, well, buying a, a new car or a new truck, usually not really a value add from a financial perspective. It might make you have more fun in your life, but that's not, it's not usually something that we're going to be recommending moving up or accelerating that goal. But where I find this comes to play a lot today in these times is gift from parents, gift from grandparents. Now the reality of owning a home has just totally changed for you. Yeah, it can, it, and it, that that can be very problematic as well because if you were on the cusp of making a decision and you feel that this gift puts you into the game of actually purchasing a house or making a major commitment, you know that's going to sometimes hurry hurrying that decision doesn't allow for the proper kind of thought and you may end up hurrying yourself into something that you really weren't ready for on other levels as well. Um, so that, that's something to be cautious of, you know, again, the, the whole buying your first house thing, I think we've pod, we've potted on that in the past. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that decision. Um, but sometimes a gift like this is what, and it's sometimes a gift like this is what's intended to kind of push you over the edge. Yep. Uh, cause there can also be expectations because your mind went to an interesting spot too, Josh. I mean, the, the source of funds can man, can matter if you're really close to your grandmother and she passes away and she gifts you a hundred thousand dollars. There's the emotional side of that. Some people say, I want to do something meaningful with this. Great. Let's explore that. 
what's meaningful to you you know those are deeply personal conversations and personal opinions you know and that's that's the role of an advisor you know it's not hey you have a hundred thousand dollars okay so we're going to max out your tfsa you're going to max out your rsp and then we're going to do this and we're going to do that if that's the advice you're getting you're talking to the wrong person you know that that's that's not how how to how to proceed with this so i guess in order of importance number one we have to make sure that it's not drug money uh number two we have to understand is there an emotional attachment to this money you know that's the second thing that would inform a conversation about the money and is this number three i guess is this transcendent is this going to propel you into a whole new stratosphere of planning and thinking or is this just going to buttress you know your existing plan you know, to me, that's kind of the hierarchy that you would go through. Oh my God, I just gave a list, Josh. Is, is, are you going to kick me off the podcast? <laughs> I, I think I just, I think I gave a list of the four things to consider when you get a, a lump sum of money. <laughs> it's different. It's different. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But coming back to one of the things you took from my initial comments there is like, where did the money come from? So it is a, a reasonable question to ask as well, because the things that we're talking about inheritance gift things like that not going to be taxable but there are situations where you come into a lump sum of money and there is going to be a taxable event for you so having again for us trying to understand what is the money not only how does it change your goals but what is it needed for if you need to pay a tax bill nine months from now well we probably don't want to go buy bitcoin with it because that might be problematic is there a situation where we do want to go buy Bitcoin with anything, Josh? I mean, it's, <laughs> you kind of threw that out there, but it assumes that there's a there there would be a scenario where somebody would walk in and you say you should buy Bitcoin. No, no, I'm just uh, I just kid, I just kid. That's not not a piece of advice. So the other, when you asked this question to me initially, call my my thought process immediately went to the investment side. Is like, okay, what do I what do I do with it? So those goals. Why is the question about goals so important as the starting point? Aside from obviously, we need to deliver on what the individual is looking for. Well, that, that comes back to the role of, of money and wealth in somebody's life. I mean, you know, you're, you're writing your own movie, so this is about what you think is important. And our job, as I see it, is to help you make the most out of the resources you have to accomplish those goals in the best way possible. You know, again, you could treat this just as an investment decision. It's like, oh my God, money just came in. Great. You now, what what's the list of accounts I should consider? You know, you, you could treat it like that, but I think that that's doing it a, a disservice because if you, you know, you stick it in a long term investment, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, great, I get to buy that boat this summer. Well, no, you've just you may have made the right financial decision when you got the money, but you made the wrong risk management decision when when time came to execute on your. You know, your plan, right? So, um, yeah, the, the individual priorities. Our job is to figure out, hey, what makes your socks roll up and down? Yeah, maybe this is a charitable donation. Maybe you can make you know, a big donation to a something near and dear to your heart, and maybe that's what's important to you right now. And that has you know tax benefits to it as well. Um, but you know, all these things should be considered. Yeah. Well, the next step for us, once we understand what I exactly wants to accomplish, what, what the individual wants to accomplish with the money is to then provide the right advice. What can we do from a financial perspective to make that a reality? So that boat that you need to buy in six months, that's one type of investment decision and a very different investment decision than 
yeah, I'm just going to stash this away so I can retire five years earlier, 30 years from now. That's a very different investment decision. And we need to understand what those time horizons are, what those, what those timelines are, so we can advise uh, prudently on the investment side of things. Yeah, but, but, but Josh, I mean, the world's such a scary place now. I mean, there's Russia and the Ukraine and, you know, all, all this you know, inflation and interest rates. I mean, now's not a good time to be investing money for the long term, is it? It's always a good time to invest money from the, for the long term. This sounds like such a sales tactic, doesn't it? Always a good time to invest money for the long term, but it's, it's so true. Well, yeah, exactly. And it does sound salesy for sure. But again, it, people ask me, well, my confidence level is over the next five years, all kinds of confidence. Next six months, I have none. And, and that's honest. You know, there, there, we could go to efforts to build. I just spent a couple of days attending a couple of seminars, hearing the latest and greatest reasons why now is the perfect time to invest in XYZ. You know, again, those stories are compelling. They have lots of charts and graphs, a lot of historical context. But again, the, the, the short story is nobody knows. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it, and that's not exciting. So I guess that makes us less salesy. But yeah, I don't know if I ever say it's always a good time to invest for the long term because you're, you're right. That, that's a really salesy way to put it, Josh. Yeah. So let's, dis, let's, let's assume that we've now decided that it is a long-term investment. What are we recommending for people? What ideas are we coming up with to put that money to work? Well, for me, I go through the list and say, okay, do you owe any money? You know, what, do you, what are the interest rates on what you owe? And do you have any unused RSP room? What's your taxable income? Do you have any unused tax-free savings account room? Do you, you know, where, where are we with, with, with meeting the education goals for kids if that's on your list? You know, so for me, it's kind of a checklist to kind of go through because at the end of the day, you're talking about a balance sheet entry. You're talking about something you've got, you've got cash, which is an asset. Now, do I want to take this cash? Do I want to use it to reduce my liabilities or increase my, my assets towards a particular goal or, or a particular time frame? Uh, and I think all of that should be put on the table. But are we ever really entirely sure 100% that all the money should go to one thing, Josh? Well, this is kind of what I'm getting to because a lot of people come into our offices a lot of our existing clients and say, you know what, I, I had this windfall for whatever, whatever reason it is. If I gave you $100,000 to invest, what types of investments are you going to buy with it? And I find it to be such an interesting question because it seems like everybody always wants to come up with the new idea. Like what, what, and this is going back to what I was joking about at the outset, the media is always trying to push, here's five new ideas for you. But I already have the best ideas in your portfolio. We've yeah. already invested in all the best things for you. So I'm not going to do, I'm sorry, it's not a very exciting answer, but I'm just going to buy more of the same stuff that we already have. I'm not yeah. going to go try to come up with my next five best ideas because my top yeah. 15 best ideas are already there. So I don't yeah. need to go to ideas 16 to 20. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, that's pe people are looking for the excitement. You know, they're looking for the story. They're looking for the motivation. Like now's the, now's the great time. I mean, Again, I was talking about on our PM call today, there's a lot of talk about this commodity super cycle. I wrote a super cycle back when I was in, in high school. Uh, it wasn't all that special. But I mean, there's always these themes, these ideas, these, this, this hottest, the greatest, the newest, the latest. And sometimes people can say, well, what is the hottest and latest? And 
And uh, our answer is always no. That that that's just not a thing. So, uh, if it's long term money, we'll do long term things with it. But there's you know once we nail down that it's a long term thing, then there is some tax planning, short term and long term, to take a look at what's current tax burden like, what's the tax burden likely to be in the future. Is there anything we can fudge with that? Um, over you know deferring taxation or you know incurring taxation now. I mean, there's there's all those kinds of things, but. It's it's a nuanced conversation around client priorities and client risk profile and client risk appetite. But what I was getting to earlier was, you know, oftentimes if you don't know what horse is going to win, bet on a couple of horses. You know, if you can't, if you really can't make up your mind between sticking it in your TFSA and paying down your mortgage with a higher interest rate, do a 50-50. No harm in that. You know, you're at least half right. And, you know, you're never going to be all wrong. And that's... That's not a terrible way to do it. Now, you can get a little bit funny with it and try to split it 17 ways. Maybe that's too much. But if you get down to, I'd like to pay down my debt, but I'd also like to make an RSP contribution, find a way to split it. And what I always encourage people to do is to have in their mind a percentage. Like, you know, at any point in time, if I have an extra thousand bucks, I'm going to 60% of it's going to pay down debt, 40% of it's going to be long-term investing. Give yourself a heuristic, give yourself a little shortcut in your head so that you're not in the moment trying to do all the math and all the gazintas and say, I mean, that, that's more for self-employed people who might get paid in lumpy fashion or people who get bonuses quarterly or annually. Just you know, have have a formula in your head. Then that way, at any moment in time, it's just really, I'm just going to use my formula, whatever it is, and, and split it up accordingly. Because if you let emotion get into, oh, I'm really confident in the markets right now, so I'm going to allocate all this to my investments. That's not good. You know, if you're overconfident or if you're scared and that's going to influence your long-term asset allocation, then that's, that's very, that can be very destructive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's comes back to something we say a lot is emotion destroys wealth and it's, you, you want to try to stay on a glide path as opposed to jumping all over the place, depending on how you're feeling every given month or given year. Well, yeah, somebody's talking now. I was like, well, I'm sure interest rates are going to go higher. Wow, okay. <laughs> I'm glad you're sure. I'm not going to use that to make any kind of decisions because I'm not sure, and I haven't found anybody that I truly respect who is sure when it comes to interest rates. So, you know, if if that if, if you hear yourself saying those words, like, I'm sure this is going to happen, back off. Take at least 50% of that off the table and go and bet against yourself because being sure of something is when you can really cause yourself some problems. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> there Look you at go. you. Look <laughs> at you. So with a lump sum like this, Colin, do you think that people should be approaching diff it differently or need to approach it differently than their regular savings plan? Like, let's say I'm saving a thousand bucks a month and all of a sudden I come into a hundred thousand dollars. Should I be approaching the $100,000 differently than the $1,000 a month? I, I think there's some efficacy in actually considering whether or not it changes anything. I'm not sure it does, but I think at that, that stage does, because again, that could be, you know, that could completely eliminate a debt payment or two, right? So it, it could have a lot of knock-on effects. So, it, you know, yeah, I do think that it requires certainly a phone call to your advisor and have a conversation and kind of go through things because it, it may change priorities. And also feeling more wealthy may change how you're looking at things. That's a very real thing as well. 
right? Now, the other thing I'll, I'll point out, there's been numerous studies done that talk about amount of money given a generation is inversely proportional to the amount of money accumulated by a generation. Because again, it, it can make you feel rich. And pretty soon you take that $100,000 and you put a pool in or half a pool. And, but now you're, you're stuck with the ongoing upkeep costs of having a pool. So you're actually poorer after you spent the $100,000. So, you know, you got to be mindful of those kind of decisions that have knock on effects too, right? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can spend a hundred thousand dollars. Not that hard to spend these days. So it's, uh, you can easily, easily dig yourself a hole if it feels like it's, you know, found wealth and you yeah. don't contribute to anything that's, that's value creating for you over the long term. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to be cautious again, if you buy a boat, well, oh shoot. You need a trailer for the boat. Oh, truck's not big enough to pull the boat. Oh, we got to put gas in the boat. Oh, we got to put maintenance in it. You know, so if you blow the wad of money on something and, and then your, your rest of your income has to pick up all the costs, yeah, that's, you're not putting yourself in a better spot there for sure. But it's, you know, it, I think it's important. It, we try to get people to look at their financial situation periodically, rationally. So like once a year, once every six months, once every two years, whatever it is for the client, let's put all the cards on the table. Let's take a look at all the numbers and have a rational conversation set up a plan and then stop thinking about it because you know trying to stop thinking about it and let emotion creep into it is key to making progress and when you pick it up again in a year or two or whatever time frame you pick it up again take a look at the progress you just made and then make some more rational decisions like okay i'm going to continue to save x percent of my take home pay i'm going to continue to do this percentage that percentage and then just stop thinking about it but a lump sum can be one of those times where you should reconsider everything like i said take it and pay off a car loan. So that just frees up 600 bucks a month that we're no, no longer paying on a car loan. Great. So what do you want to do with that? Right. You know, I want to take half of that to lifestyle. Perfect. Take half to lifestyle. Let's take the other half and do something long-term with it. Because again, it's, it's all about, you know, scratching your itch and, and meeting, meeting the client expectations. That's the difference between getting advice and being sold something. Like if you, if you ask somebody what to do a hundred thousand dollars, they talk about the latest mutual fund or they talk about the right type of account to put it in and they don't ask any follow-up questions, you are talking to a salesperson. And that's not what's going to be in your best interest. It's interesting. We we started this and we started with the question, what do you do with $100,000? And the idea of actually investing or making an investment decision was kind of way down the list. Like yeah. it, was, it was one of the last things we actually talked about, which makes sense. It makes sense that that would be the last thing that you decide upon because you have so many things, so many steps, so many priorities to set or goals to set before you actually get to the investment decision. The investment decision is just a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, again, in, in our world, the investment decision is the simple part because, again, it's just a long-term thing. I mean, if we were saying, hey, this is, this is the time that we need to get some U.S. dollar denominated assets, we need to get really long-term on a duration, and we need this, and we start spinning an investment story, and try to build that urgency to, to make an investment decision that may or may not line up with, with what you're trying to do in your life. That, that may or may not bring you the most value out of that money. You know, it could be like, Hey, tell you what, let's pay the mortgage off two years early, free up that mortgage payment, make you feel super good about yourself and take part of that payment and put it towards other future goals. I had a client do that this week. They had, they got a, a lump sum of money and it basically wiped out a line of credit that had been bugging them. 
that's made them disproportionately happy. That's one of those things that, you know, you, you, you think is going to be sitting there for another five or 10 years and all of a sudden it disappears. And like, yeah, there's real joy in that. There's some real happiness that, that came out of doing that. And from a, from a balance sheet perspective, that's yeah, not terrible. That's not certainly not the worst thing you could do. What, what is the worst thing you could do with a hundred thousand dollars, Josh? Buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Just you, you could burn it. I guess that's that's a pretty bad idea. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's important that the under, you understand yourself, and that's difficult for you to be self aware enough to say, okay, here are my true priorities. Here's here's what I see happening, and this is what's going to bring me the most joy, and make the most progress. You know, my my job is kind of sit in the cheap seats and and do some math and try to make it as impactful as we can towards whatever priorities that you set for yourself. So there you go. Everything you need to know about if I had a hundred thousand dollars. Well, maybe not everything. Maybe it was just a bunch of questions, but it certainly was not the top three things to invest a hundred thousand dollars in today. That's what we didn't want to be. I think we're successful in accomplishing that goal, right, Josh? Tune in next week where we will talk about the best five ideas for investing $100,000 right now. There we go. Based on observation, it seems that the time an investor is most likely to move his or her portfolio to a new advisor is when the old advisor dies. Let us go on record as saying that having a pulse is not a great reason to trust someone with your entire financial future. Stop putting your life in the hands of stillbreathingwealthplanners.com and call us. Varican Capital Management, Inc. is a registered portfolio manager in Nova Scotia, British Columbia, and Ontario. Nothing in this podcast should be considered as a solicitation or a recommendation to buy or sell a particular security. Statements made by the portfolio managers are intended to illustrate their approach and are meant for information and entertainment purposes only. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of I, Private Wealth, Inc., I, Private Wealth, Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. I, Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which I, Private Wealth, Inc. operates. This should not be construed as legal, tax, or campaign advice. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature, and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein, as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.